0: Welcome to another episode of Now to Next, SCNH's podcast. Today, we're joined by Director of our Technology Advisory Practice, Jeff Bathurst. Jeff, thanks for joining
1: us. Mac, thank you for having me.
0: So, Jeff, we're we're rounding out Q1 2019, and we want to talk all things cybersecurity today. This is a topic that's obviously been around. It's the... 800-pound gorilla in the room of pretty much every organization when we talk to you guys. But can you tell us some of the things you're seeing kind of dealing with clients on this? And I think there's two approaches people are taking. It's the scare tactic, right? And so people choose to just hide from it. But when I talk to you guys about what you're dealing with, you're seeing some clients really start to embrace the idea of we've got to finally take some action. But first and foremost, what are the trends that we're seeing that companies need to be aware of?
1: Cybersecurity is an ongoing cat and mouse game that all companies, any organization who deal, has technology in their organization, have to have to play. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that does not have an end. As you build a better mousetrap to prevent cyber attacks, the mice get smarter, and and, and so it goes. So what we're seeing as of late, the latest topics in cybersecurity and latest threats that we're seeing, uh, one of the most current ones is something called crypto jacking. And essentially what this is, um, is a um, malware slash virus that penetrates into the organization. And what it does is it sits on your computers, doesn't do anything with your information. It doesn't render your computer useless. What it does is that while you're at home, in the evening and overnight away from your office this malware actually activates and uses and this malware this cryptojacking malware uses the time and the idle processing capabilities of your computer to mine cryptocurrency so you infest thousands of computers all running you know crypto mining calculations and all of a sudden now your hackers are getting free computing time is what it is um, does it do, what does it do in terms of the impact of the organization? Well, I mean, you're still compromised, but you may not be losing your information, but you may be losing computing capabilities, and then who knows what that will open you up to. So that's kind of the latest flavor. Uh, one of the other things that we're seeing, as especially as organizations who have not automated and Im- implemented technology in the past, i.e. manufacturing companies, we're starting to see them become fresh targets for viruses and malware. In fact, in the news, just in the past week or two, large metal processing manufacturers have gotten hit. These are uh, actually international companies based in Europe, have gotten hit with, I mean, disabling ransomware viruses. And this is more of the traditional sense where they render their files useless and then they ask for a ransom. And, uh, you know, there are different, believe it or not, there are organizations out there that will act on your behalf in negotiating with these uh with the hackers because some organizations i mean some hackers they'll send you one email and says you will pay this bitcoin ransom and if you decide you feel like you want to negotiate well that's the last you'll hear from them and you won't get your files back Uh, others are willing to negotiate so it really just and the and these third parties have experience dealing with all of them and so it's 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 something that is a, a it's kind of developed its own little niche Market, Um, so ransomware is still a really, really big thing. Um, I think as we start to see more biometrics and uh, the IoT, so more devices that are able to collect data, these are more points of vulnerability. Okay, and and so again, you, it's great that new technologies and new capabilities are rolling out to organizations, but with Mm -hmm. that, you become there's a level of exposure that organizations need to be able to address if they're going to actually leverage it.
0: How, how do you, sitting there advising companies, obviously becoming more tech savvy, this inevitably puts us at this in- interesting intersection of we've got a remote workforce, we've got people on the go, they're working from home, they're working on site at clients, you know, but at the same time, every one of these moves is also in conflict with you, to your point, I think you know it's just more exposure points. What are you doing to advise organizations on that balance of giving their workforce freedom and flexibility and at the same time being not just opening up a lot of vulnerability to these types of attacks?
1: One of the first things we help organizations do is define what's worth protecting. That's really it. I mean, you don't want to protect the entire organization and every corner and nook and cranny of it because that's not a good use of your of your internal labor resources as well as your monetary resources. Identify what it is that's important. What has value, okay? Um, Whether it's client data, intellectual property, um, business information around either about you or your industry, or all the above. But you have to really define first what it is that you're trying to protect. And then uh, what you also then want to look at is how diverse is your workforce in terms of their working situation, their working environment. Is it strictly in an office environment? Is it all remote? Is it a mixture of the two? You know, one of the things that is really a challenge is that this idea of access from anywhere, anytime, on any device, right? That has always been the end game for most organizations, especially technology companies who are trying to sell you products or services. It's it's here. That capability is here, and, and in order to attract and retain employees, th- this the newest generation into the workforce is expecting that. That's that because technology is ingrained in the newest gener- work generation's lifestyle. It's part of who they are and what they do every minute of every day. They don't want to necessarily have to go into an office. They don't want us to have to go in at a certain time. So you have to be able to put it in a, a computing infrastructure that supports that. Well, with flexibility comes risk. Okay, And that's really something that has to be measured depending on how you choose to, how flexible your organization chooses to be with their employees and their work capabilities that also has a, a corresponding level of risk that needs to be addressed. What's
0: the real message you have? Most organizations that may even think they're on the forefront of this because they've taken the step of something like cyber insurance. And it's like, oh, well, I've got cyber insurance. If something goes sideways, go ahead and scare everybody. What, what are you actually telling people when you sit down and see them because of the realities of what that may not actually cover for them?
1: It doesn't matter how good you think you are with your cybersecurity um, program. Everybody will get compromised at some point in time. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. So then the question becomes: How do we mitigate the risk? Okay, and there are a number of ways to do that. Okay, so that in the event that there is a breach, because the reason it's a the fundamental reason, in my opinion, as to why it's if versus when, is because the commonality across all organizations is people. They are the wild card. You how you bring employees into the organization and they, then you exit them from the organization every day. You are constantly changing the level of knowledge of your of, of cybersecurity and proper computing practices. It changes as the employee population changes. And so that's why that, that risk, that risk when it comes to the employee computing behavior, okay, is really where the majority of the threats originate okay, and relying on people and their inherent tr- willingness to trust others, okay? So I think that's, a ma- that's why really it's, every organization is at risk no matter how good you think you are from a technology perspective or from a process perspective or from a services and oversight. As long as you're putting computing tools in the hands of human beings there is a risk that they will be the source of the compromise. And, and again, it's not willingly. Uh, it's not because they're trying to do bad things. It's just that human nature is not designed to be on or off or black and white. It's There's a lot of gray with human behavior, and as a result, one person looking at a suspected email might do one thing with it, hopefully the proper thing with it. Another one might say, oh, well, that email address looked kind of like who I thought was going to send it to me. I'm just going to click it and you see what happens.
0: So... You and I were talking before, and so my question to you is, when you work with forward-thinking organizations today, your assessment to me is this This doesn't just sit with a CIO or a director of technology, depending on the organization, the, the entire leadership team's thinking and talking about this now. What do you tell people? So regardless of whether you find yourself insured with some form of cyber insurance, what, what is the step you think everyone should be taking in 2019 to get better and more prepared for something that inevitably happens anyway?
1: So there are a number of steps, okay? Um, and I can kind of categorize them into maybe four or five of them. Um, number one is, uh, as you mentioned, a cyber training, cybersecurity training program, and, and proper computing practices. And because technology spans both work environments and personal life, okay? These training programs are applicable to employees, their their significant others, their families. They're useful information because we all use technology every day. These same principles still apply, regardless of whether you're at work or at home. So that's number one. Number two is as I mentioned earlier, know what you want or trying to protect. Okay, and when part of that protection is ensuring that you have archived, valid backups of your data that are cannot, not connected or not easily connect, or traceable to your production environment, right? So the idea is that you have backups and they're off-site and they're not accessible so that if something happens in your production environment, that the backups are safe and they're isolated and so that you can recover from that. In the, in the in the situation of ransomware, one of the quickest ways to recover from ransomware is to restore from from backup because the files are in a in a in a valid state just a couple of days prior to the infection. That's how ransomware can easily get resolved is by restoring information as opposed to trying to go through the process of trying to un unencrypt un- encrypted files. So not to digress on that point, but anyway, backups are really really important. Okay. Another one is process. When, tra- when, when transmitting information to a third party, I don't care if it's your bank, it's a business partner, whatever, if you're transmitting any sensitive data, whether it's PII, PHI, whatever it is, PCI, any type of sensitive information, there needs to be an internal process that validates the electronic request. Phone call, right, Is in person. But you'd be surprised what a 30-second phone call, what it can prevent from occurring. Yeah, I
0: think we all need to agree in 2019 the CEO is not actually asking for the W-2s <laughs> via email anymore, Correct. right? Like that seems to be a
1: fair statement. But unfortunately, that message isn't out to everyone. Sure. Okay, because we still see it occurring. All right. And so that so anytime you, you are asked to move sensitive information outside of the organization, it needs to be validated in person and questioned Trust but verify. That's really the, 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 the key takeaway there. Uh, and, of course, you already mentioned cyber insurance. Um, one of the challenges that people have is how much insurance do I need to take out and what are the conditions and restrictions of the policy. So, for example, um, in a lot of the insurance policies, human error is not covered.
0: But you're saying human error is one of the most prominent causes. Exactly. Interesting. So,
1: for example, let's say your environment was compromised. They found a way in through a a misconfiguration of a firewall, and they were able to get in through your firewall and get onto your network. A human didn't do anything in this point. It was someone who was trying to probe your environment and figured out a way in. Or let's say your firewall is configured correctly. But it's a new way of attacking, and no one that nobody knows about, and they got in. In that case, almost every cyber insurance policy will cover it. But if an employee does something, right, after being told not to, and they do it anyway, then you start to get into some gray areas about whether certain coverages will, will be applicable to helping you recover from that breach versus others. So be very, very cautious about and understand work with your insurance broker, whoever you're dealing with with this cyber insurance policy is to understand what are the limitations and the conditions of that policy because a lot of organizations say, all right, I have it, I'm covered. Well, there are terms and conditions to everything and make sure you understand them. So you have process, you have your technology, like in terms of backups. Uh, obviously, in terms of technology, you're also looking at proper infrastructure controls. There's, and we could have a whole separate podcast about what is the proper way and things to look for in terms of being able to protect your environment. But the last thing I would make sure of is understand what's actually connecting to your company, okay? Whether it's third parties, whether it's personal devices, whether it's company-issued computers, know what's connecting to you and be sure that you can provide an explanation for it, okay? And that requires some technology oversight, human oversight, process oversight, but know what's connecting to to your environment. And so it really is a multi-pronged approach. It's addressing the the typical triangle, people, process, and technology. There are all those things that need to be addressed as part of an overall cyber program.
0: So, of course, we come to the shameless plug portion of the podcast, right? And that, you know, when you look at that, and, you know, all jokes aside, I think what's great is you guys are offering a cybersecurity assessment for organizations because I think... Right now, at least what we've heard in the market is people are trying to tackle these one by one. And then at the same time, in a connected organization today, these can become global problems very quickly for a company. So can you talk people through, you're doing this cybersecurity assessment for companies. You know, what, what do you see in the value of that? What should a you know, CEO, CFO, COO take away from this of like when you guys are going in and helping people from the technology advisory group perspective from SCNH? How is that cybersecurity assessment really adding value to that multi-pronged view?
1: You know, given how dynamic the cyber threats are these days, you know, organizations need to, they they have a hard time staying current. And in many cases, they typically focus on the technology, okay? And, And that's only, as I mentioned earlier, that's only part of the overall program. And I think that's really where we add the tremendous amount of value is that we come at it from a program perspective, right? And where we're going to look at the third party interactions and and, and the processes associated with that. We're going to look at the technology and look how the firewalls and the routers and, and how remote access is configured. And we're going to look at do they proactively have some sort of operational function to essentially have a heartbeat on the in the, in the company to make sure that there's nothing, no threats currently active. You know, are they doing the, the fundamentals? Antivirus, Windows updates, patching, those sort of things. So we look at the technology part of this as well. But then, we you know, we talk to the people, right? And what is, and, and that part of that goes into really not just the level of education of its employees, but the culture. OK, because some organizations understand that, look, use technology is part of the critical path to our business success. And if it is, we have to treat it that way. And treating technology that way means investing in technology, but it also means doing so in a responsible manner, ensuring that we don't put the organization at risk. Because one of the risks that's hard to quantify is what we call headline risk, right? What is the cost to the organization if you ended up on the front page of the Wall Street Journal saying that you got breached? What does that cost your organization in terms of clients, customers, all the above? So that's where we come in, and we can give you an overall assessment. Now, we're not going to perform a vulnerability assessment. There, We work with third-party companies, and we have business partners who will do specifically that part, where they will analyze down to the very lowest levels how your, organ, how your technology infrastructure is configured and are there vulnerabilities to it. Um, they'll do the social engineering to try to essentially interact with your employees and fool them into divulging information. Those vulnerability assessments, we have partners that we use for that. But what we come in and do is say we assess what their current position is regarding cybersecurity, both from a culture, a person, process, and technology perspective, and then we give them what we feel are the set of recommendations to improve their position and what they can do, not just to improve it at that moment, but to maintain that level of optimization and to make sure they stay up up where they need to be. Because again, that's why when you tie it back to the culture, it has to be something that's thought about every day. And, and a lot of companies don't want to hear that. They think it's a checkbox, and it's, it's not. It's something that must be attended to every day, that you're, you're dedicating resources, whether it's internal resources or it's third-party organizations who will help you do it. But you must dedicate the time and effort to ensure that once you get it to a certain point, that you feel as though you've done everything that you can do within reason. And I say within reason, whether it's cost, time, money, whatever, um, that you meet, that you keep it there, because it can very easily get, you can very easily degrade. Because again, technology moves forward; you've got to move forward with it.
0: Well, Jeff, thank you as always. Perfect for providing what is, I think, a very practical view on how organizations can tackle this. I think there's a lot out there today that's designed to sell out of fear, and yet again, you guys cut through the that noise and, and make it make sense. So I'd encourage our listeners to check out schgroup.com. Our technology advisory team has done a fantastic job of putting out some content that I think speaks to all levels of the organization, but leadership in particular on how to tackle this, and this is a growing reality, and you hit it on the head. I think the thing we're hearing more and more is this is an ongoing strategy. This isn't something to check the box on. So this has been another episode of Now to Next. Tune in for more episodes coming soon.